The readings from the book of Exodus, continuing in chapter 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat of it, but every slave that is bought for money may eat of it after you have circumcised him. No sojourner or hired servant may eat of it. In one house shall it be eaten. You shall not carry forth any of the flesh outside the house. You shall not break a bone of it. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger shall sojourn with you, and we keep the Passover to the Lord, that all his males be circumcised, then he may come near and keep it. He shall be as a native of the land, but no uncircumcised person shall eat of it. There shall be one law for the native and for the stranger who sojourns among you. Thus did all the people of Israel, as the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And on the very day the Lord brought the people out of Israel, uh, Israel out of Egypt, by their hosts, he said to them, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. This is the word of the Lord. There begins tonight in our reading, beloved of the Lord, a substantial interlude. We just began it, just began it tonight. A substantial interlude that breaks the continuity of the storyline. It is the ordinance of the Passover, giving detailed instructions for the observance of the annual seder. Now, we modern readers, especially those of us who are not Israelites, which I think is just about everybody here, we like to read the story of the Exodus, at least I hope we do, but we find in intervals like this, intrusions like this, a little bit beside the point. Get on with the story, you know, meanwhile back at Pharaoh's palace, that sort of thing. Although the modern reader normally more is more interested in the story, right, and may not relish this intruding section, the ancient Israelite, and preeminently the author, very likely found this thing more interesting. In fact, we arrive now at the beginning of those laws and rules that explain the name Torah given to the first five books of the Hebrew Scriptures. Torah is a body of law, rather laws. The lengthy storyline for those ancients served as the setting for the laws. The rabbis were far more interested in these laws than they were in the story. The laws were not an addendum or intrusion in the story. Rather, they embodied the very purpose 
of the book. We note that these laws, these rules, are not given until after the people have effectively left Egypt. Indeed, the rules are dictated to Moses and Aaron in the context of that departure. Now that's important. We touch on an aspect of all divine law. Namely, grace and liberation. I'll bet I'll bet a lot that if you ask most Orthodox Christians to recite the Ten Commandments, first of all, I don't believe I don't believe most Orthodox Christians could recite the Ten Commandments, just for starts. I believe that one in five hundred could recite them correctly. They wouldn't get past the first one. You see, no command of God stands on its own. And that's very clear in the first commandment. The rules God gives are the outcome and product of his deliverance. The rules are conveyed as consequences of God's personal and salvific intrusion into man's history. I give you two biblical texts to illustrate the point. Start with the first commandment of the Decalogue. Let me start it and see how many of you can finish it. I am the Lord your God. Who feels confident they can finish it? I'm sorry? Jim got it right. Jim got it right. I think you're, you're one of 500. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall know of no other gods in my stead. Start with God's auto-identification. I am the Lord your God. Then he says what he's done for us. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Now you shall have no other gods in my stead. Notice how the prohibition is fit into a context of deliverance. Let me give you another one. This one I think most Orthodox Christians, or at least many Orthodox Christians, could get right. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. You don't start with, go, make disciples of all nations. You don't start there. You start with the act of redemption. All authority. Pasa exousia, edothi me. All authority has been given to me. What is, that? what is that all about? That God has raised up this Jesus and made him Lord in Christ, whom the people crucified. You start with the you start with the salvific fact. Then you have a commandment. All the law is in the context of grace and redemption. 
Now, tonight's reading, there are seven initial rules governing the Seder. This will be on the test at the end of the semester. First, the ordinance is exclusive. It starts with not. Very often the laws of God start with not. Don't. Okay. It's exclusive. Here's the first one of the rules. No foreigner shall eat of it. See, the Seder is a meal of communion that pertains to the very identity of Israel. Many Jewish families might invite guests to come and participate in the meal. I've been invited that way. And then they wonder why they wonder why they're having trouble. If anybody can walk in, or anybody can be invited in, without making some commitment to what's going on there. Commitment of his life to what's going on there. The Seder is a meal of communion. It pertains to the very identity of Israel. It's exclusive. There's to be no shared communion. Only Israel partakes of it. Because if that's not the case, then Israel loses its identity. Because all identity requires some attention to exclusion. I'm me because I'm not somebody else. And this tone of exclusivity governs everything that follows. And that's a very, very important aspect of the people of God in the whole, in the whole scriptures. There's no communion, shared communion, across lines of identity. Second, this is a spiritual meal. It's sacramental in the sense it's physical, but it, 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 can, it, it carries all of the components of sacrament, by the way. In fact, in traditional Christian theology, they're called the sacraments of the Old Testament. It has all the qualities of sacrament. It's a physical act, physical rite, established by God for the conferring of grace. That's what a sacrament is. So it's a spiritual meal. Because it is a spiritual meal, a meal of communion, the eater need not be physically an Israelite, but have to have a drop of Israelite blood. Here's the way it reads. But every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. That was he becomes part of Israel. And there's a right of an initiation. There's a right of initiation. The one leads to the other. The initiatory right for the man is circumcision. The initiatory right for women is treated elsewhere. But it involves other things like shaving, shaving of the head and that sort of thing. Uh, the initiatory right for a man is circumcision. 
and one one an Israel Israelite is circumcised in order to eat the Passover, in order to eat the Seder, for that purpose, for that shared communion meal. Third, mere physical proximity does not count. This is not a meal for mere neighbors or employees. text reads, a sojourner or a hired servant shall not eat it. In other words, close doesn't count. Close doesn't count. Fourth, the meal pertains to what the Hebrew text calls the ba'ith, which means house. And it becomes a metaphor for the household, Ba'ith. In order to guarantee this exclusivity, notice that no part of the meal may leave the house. It's very important. No part of a sacred meal may leave the house. It's here, eaten here and nowhere else. The way the text reads, in one house, in one Ba'ith, you shall eat it. You shall not carry any flesh outside the house. Fifth, this one's most interesting. To symbolize the unity of the people in the celebration of the Seder, the Passover lamb is to be treated with particular care, specifically, nor shall you break one of its bones. The integrity of the body even as you share it, must be maintained. Now, who remembers where that text is cited elsewhere? You heard it, you heard, you heard it week four last, didn't you? Eva knows that the crucifixion and the Gospel of John, okay? one of the soldiers with his peer, with a spear pierced his side, and immediately there flowed out blood and water. And he that saw it bear witness, and his witness is true, and we know that his witness is true, that you may believe. For these things were done that the scriptures might be fulfilled. Not a bone of it shall, you, shall, you, shall be broken, and they shall look upon him whom they have pierced. Cites Exodus, cites the prophet, cites uh, Zechariah. In other words, the wholeness of the lamb is to be maintained because the unity of the lamb, the oneness of the lamb, is what makes the unity of the congregation. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is identified with that lamb. The beginning of the Gospel of John, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. At the end of the Gospel of John, he talks about the body of Jesus, no, no broken bones. Not a bone should be broken. Why? In order to fulfill the prophecy contained in Exodus. Sixth, you go home and tell everybody he's a seven point sermon tonight. Seven. Six. Okay. All the Israelites are, are, are to partake of the Seder. Because the sacrificial victim is one, the people of God. Are one body. Here's the way it reads. 
all the congregation of Israel shall keep it. Let's look at that. In the Hebrew, it's kol kahal. Kol kahal. Kahal, kahal is a technical word. Kahal appears for the first time in the book of Exodus. It's one of the early times. Kahal refers to the people in the desert. It's usually translated as, in English, as congregation. Congregation comes from the, the Greek, from the Latin grex, which means flock. It's interesting how the canonical Septuagint translates that. You know, don't you? I think you know. Yes. Okay. The Septuagint translates kahal as ecclesia. Ecclesia. Okay. Got that? The, the Jews did not refer, normally refer to themselves as an ecclesia. In Greek, they normally referred to themselves as a synagogue. Greek word. The early church, very quickly, the Christians adopted that word from the book of Exodus to identify themselves. The ecclesia. The whole ecclesia is to partake of it. Seventh, there is an initial, an initiatory rite by which a man becomes an Israelite. I quote, For no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. All of Israel. Each family eats it in its own home. And the discipline has been maintained in the home. But notice all those homes where the same sacrifice is eaten and the same sacrifice consumed and blessed. All those homes form Israel. In fact, Israel is present whenever that is done. Now, these, these few verses, these seven rules, okay, notice you have the outline here in prophecy. We have an outline of an entire ecclesiology. Founded on sacrament, initiation, and communion, participation. Amen.